Good morning, good morning, everyone. Happy Saturday. You are tuning in to Business and Legal Talk with Leo and Claudine here on Power Talk 1360. How are you this morning? Good morning, Claudine. Good morning. How are you? Oh, pumped up. Fall is here. Oh, Fall yes. Fall is here. Football's Fall on. Fall is here. Football's on. There's a lot going on. Their cool kids mornings. are back to school. A little colder in the morning, so which makes it a little colder going to the gym as early as I do. But, but that's a good thing. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. You know, no matter what happens around the world, it helps me be centered into what we're going to talk about today because we have a show for you. And um, so just because of the feedback and because of this um, industry and because of the topics that we discussed, we decided, Claudine and I decided to do a part two yeah. of how to build a very profitable construction business. Yes, yes. It's, it's you know, so it, it's really led by the audience and, and thank you so much. We, we do get your feedback and so, I mean, it, it's, been a, it's been a great thing and just, we always read the emails Listen to the comments, you know, and you can call our, you call our offices and you talk to us and we, we know. And so this resonates with you. So hope you're having a great Saturday uh, today. And um, so let's, let's start with a legal update. What's going on? Yeah, well, we've got a couple of big things on, on the horizon. And I think most people out here, if you've been listening to the news at all here in California, um, the Senate here in California has passed our what we refer to as the Dynamex decision, um, where we have essentially... Um, with very little exception, uh, eliminated 1099 subcontractors. So if people are out there... What does that mean? Uh, that means that you can no longer either be a 1099 subcontractor or use one. Now, again, there's very few exceptions. What? They did, I know. Of course, there's a, a few industries who um, have enough leverage within um, the state here that have been able to carve out some exceptions, and that's the real estate industry. Um, real, realtors can still be... Uh, independent contractors without having to be employees, W-2 employees. Say that again, please. So, now in California, okay, you can virtually not be a 1099 employee or use somebody as a 1099 employee. They are now required to be a W-2 regular. Actually, I shouldn't even say it that way. 1099 employee doesn't make any sense. It's an oxymoron. It, it is. <laughs> I, ca- I caught myself. It's still a little early. So... <laughs> What it is, is 1099 independent contractors are virtually um, no longer in California. And this came by um, a decision that came through the California Supreme Court last May. And um, then it moved from there. And with the legislature in the state of California, the way it is, um, they went ahead and what we call codified it and uh, made it a law now. So it's hardwired. It's hardwired. And um, unless, I don't know. What do you think is going to happen? Well, Uber and Lyft drivers are now required to be employees. So people used to really love, I know people who drive for Uber and Lyft. Yeah, or Lyft, yeah. yeah, And they really love the idea that at their convenience, they can just, you know, log onto their app and, you know, go do some driving. You can't do that anymore? No. Well, Well, you have to fill in a timesheet now? Yes, and and they're required to provide all of the employment benefits. So if you have more than 50 employees, health insurance, if you have, um, you know, an... um, Unemployment insurance, if you have benefit requirements. So we were talking earlier about uh, the upcoming law that is going to require business owners to, to provide, provide a, re- a retirement, re- account, retirement, uh, retirement plan. So, That's a whole other topic for another day. But, and, yeah, it's hot yeah, right now. Yeah. It's hot in the news. So if you're an employer out there, 
um, be very, very careful. Do not use people as independent contractors. And remember that it's not the state that's going to come in and um, going to, you know, create some liability for you. It is the employee that can now go back and sue for all of those employment benefits that they did not receive. Wow. There is some, there is some. Mic drop. Yeah, there, it's really, it's devastating. And there are a lot of people who loved being Lyft drivers or or Uber drivers um, or couriers. I was listening to a a show uh, earlier in the week where they were discussing, people were discussing the different things that they did. So hairdressers now, um, from what I understand, they did not get, an exemption. Insurance did get an Insurance exemption. Did. How about realtors? Realtors did get an exemption. Um, I think it's really the industries in the state. How about construction, which is what we're talking about today. What's the deal with construction? Construction, as long as the person you're hiring is not doing the same type of work as the hiring entity. If you're so, a GC and if you're basically managing the project, you can you, still you use can plumbers, still right? Because you, as the GC, a general contractor, you are not performing the same task as the person you're hiring. So you're up to snuff with the 1099, the asset test. That's correct. It's <sighs> going to be very difficult. Uh, lawyers and doctors have been carved out as well. Um, we don't know. What to about a- what about accountants? Uh, yes, I think accountants also got a carve out. Are you sure? I'm not positive. Well, g- give not. me the this info. Is so, this is so super new. You're giving me advice right now. I know. This Please. Is so, this is so super new that if you have a question, you definitely want to look it up. Reach so, out to attorneys. okay, before we go too far down the road, hey, I know you. if you never tune into the 10 a.m. show, Power Talk, and you're right now, you're like, what the heck's going on? Well, we're business and legal talk with Leo and Claudine. We are practitioners. I am an outsourced CFO and run a practice that covers the entire state of California where we're all about building businesses scaling them profitably and looking for multi-million dollar uh, paydays for those owners who are exiting the business. And I have teamed up with a great attorney and friend of mine, Claudine, from the Sharon Law Firm, who is an excellent person. She'll tell you more about herself, but right now, because she's incredible, and she is all about making sure you're going to be sustainable. And all this thing that we're talking about right now pertains risk and mitigation, which is what you do. So where should they, anyone call? If there are any questions about this thing, we're not going to be able to get into it too no, much. No, it's very, very complicated. So if you can give us a call at 209-427-2200. It's Sharon Law Firm. We are in Modesto on Standardford Avenue. Or you can find us on the web at www.sharon-law.com. And that's spelled S-H-E-R-R-O-N. You're such a pro. You were a, sh- a few months ago, You were we were a little bashful. We didn't even want to talk about our companies. But now look at us. We're pros at that, right? So that's great. So, hey, if you have any questions about growth and about profit, you need to talk to us at Greenland HQ. As the country of Greenland, uh, HQ, H as in Harry, as in queen.com or call us the office at 559-207-3148. I sound like right. a pro now, right? 559-207-3148. Tired to see that three times in a row. Anyway, so so that's a lot going on in the legal updates. Business-wise, you it, know. It, this is absolutely fundamental. Um, it, it We are just waiting for the fallout. We don't know how bad it's going to get. Um, we, we may honestly see um, services like Lyft and Uber disappear. And it, it's, you know, for me who, who is, um, you know, enjoys the free market, recognizes that, um, you know, we want to promote business, we want to grow business, and there, not everybody wants to be an employee. There's, there are benefits to being an independent contractor, and to now see that basically that whole industry, the gig industry, 
is going to collapse. This gig economy is really being put on notice. It's it's because of payroll taxes. Beyond, (laughs) that's right. Everybody wants their fair share. Death and taxes, right? Back to it. Well, it's the state's way of of you know jumping in the game and and taking their their piece of a pie that they have been probably you know a little true frustrated that they haven't been getting. So, okay, sorry, it was eight minutes of something that we're very passionate about, but that doesn't help you if you're a, a, a contractor or trace person. So uh, today's show is a continuation of what we talked about a few weeks ago, which is um, how to, you know, how to build and grow a hugely profitable construction business. And um, and it's not easy. It is not easy. Right? Construction I mean, is so because complicated. Because it's such a complex thing. We, construction, the, you know, the contractors live in the delta of the margin, right? Um, whatever the cost of this job and the profit, and if we did our job right, we hit up 100% of the cost and 100% of the, of the sales, and that earned revenue and it turns into the profit. And if you did a very good job running and operating your business, you're going to have 10 to 15 to 20 cents fall to the bottom line. But it's not as easy as that, what I just said. It, 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 there's a lot to unpack. So what we're going to do in today's show, we're just going to dive a little deeper in some of these things. Um, some of the concepts that we've been talking about, um, working capital, and what does that mean? And why should you be why should you be concerned about work in progress if you have progress billing? Um, the current ratios, which is what banks look at, uh, the the regular accounts receivable versus your retention AR, which if you're a federal contractor, it'll be five percent, and if you're a regular uh, a commercial contractor, maybe ten percent. Your your bonding capacity per job and the aggregate, um, and the number of months you have to have in the backlog, because it's not about what you can produce today, what you have in the backlog, but what happens when you run out of all the jobs right. that you've been contracted. marketing and what does your funnel look like we've been talking a lot about funnels even today right in our businesses do you work with clients um construction clients on um how to manage their estimates and and knowing what they need to charge for things that are not necessarily you know i would say swing in the hammer um you know there's a lot of other things that go into you mean as far as indirect costs yeah there's a lot that goes into you know, getting a job done that has nothing to do with the actual, you know, on-site yes. work. Yes, absolutely. We, absolutely. we do that all, okay. all the time. So um, so with that said, okay, so I'm looking at, we need to go on to break, but we'll come back. Hold to that thought. If you're listening to, you're listening to Business and Legal Talk with Leo and Claudine. We're having fun talking about contractors today. We'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. Uh, this is Business and Legal Talk with Leo and Claudine. Having fun today talking about um, just a, uh, making money in construction right? and related trades. So it's funny. We're joking with a producer that we, we keep going even when we go off the air. I know. We keep going. So it's like we almost not need to go on the air. We just kept talking for an hour. Right. Because we just have a lot- later, he can maybe chop it or yeah, something. Yeah, can just chop it. But this is, you know, this, this is our live show sometimes. So we, we have to do that and we have to have our, you know, our sponsors and everybody else. But you were asking a very important question during the break. 
go ahead. Well, just uh, the how how do you work with your clients? And because I know when you're working with them, you're working in terms of the money and and mm-hmm. and how much influence or assistance do you give clients in putting together estimates and recognizing um, the distance between the time the job is done to the time the dollar arrives, depending on what type of construction you're in. If you're in civil um, civil building, you know it can be months and months and months down the road. They're not even talking about the 10% holdback because that's very, very common. But by the time that, that dollar arrives, the, the longer it takes to arrive, the, the least value it has. It declines in value over the stretch of time. So, wow, that's a loaded, right? that's a loaded question. So let me just start by saying that in just about every engagement that we take on, we usually become engaged because something is not working, right? Okay. Or it's not moving fast enough. Okay. Or the profit isn't there as fast as you want it to. So there's a more there there's there's two different concepts. There's a concept of being profitable and having cash in the bank. Right. If you're running your business on an accrual basis and you're recur- you're recognizing all the stuff that you bill, right? right? That doesn't mean that you're gonna collect it in, in due time, right? So if you made a hundred thousand dollars today but you're not getting paid for 90 days, the net present value of those $100,000 diminishes greatly for every month you don't get paid that you keep incurring expenses to run your business. Right. So we look at the whole thing on a holistic level. So um, in speaking sometimes, I say that most business uh, owners, uh, entrepreneurs, run their business on what I call bank balance accounting. So they look at their bank balances in the morning, their their apps, okay, I got $100,000, I'm good to go for the week. And then pretty soon they forget they have $60,000, goes to payroll, and then, oh my gosh, the the workers' comp premium, we got out, we got another bill for $20,000. All of a sudden you go from 100 to 20, and you still have bills to pay. It's feast or famine. Right, it really is. And, And a lot of business owners, particularly in construction, are having to borrow slowly but surely because it looks profitable on paper, but the reality of things is you're not keeping your eye on the cash flow. Right. So this is whole concept about, we look at everything. So when we come in, as I told you, something is going on. Either there was a letter from a bank saying, hey, we're pulling your line, or we're not gonna approve you, we're not gonna approve the increase or you lost a key account, or you realize that you, you have too many people, you didn't know you had that many people on payroll, or you got a payroll audit, the EDD. There's something that has to do with money and risk that happen to you, and you just can't figure out how to get out of it, and you need perspective. So it's like driving, I say this all the time, it's like driving a car with no dashboard, so you have no idea how much cash you have in the bank, right. which is your gas, or how profitable you are. Are you going at the speed that you said you were going, right, in most engagements? So... Starts with pricing things right. Correct. Correct. Cost plus profit. And right? that is is probably one of the biggest challenges in construction. The biggest challenge that I see is that not proper job costing. Right. Not well, pricing jobs correctly. Well, and job costing will bring you back around to proper estimating. If right. you, if you do those job costing, you will see where you're where you're not coming it, through in the black. Right. And, and 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 so often I know in the smaller businesses, if any you know. Construction people, tradespeople are listening, especially if you're in the smaller um, scale doing, you know, perhaps residential work and so forth, really got to account for time. You right. really have to account for time. If you have to make 15 trips to, you know, the, the part store as opposed to three trips, 
you know, that time is of value because it's the clock is ticking and that right. dollar is losing value every single day you're not getting paid. Correct. So you start by looking at the, the, the your accounting is so critical in construction. I can't say it enough. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're dealing with prevailing wages and, and, and certified payroll and all this regulatory compliance you got to do when you feel working with the government, right. the whole Davis-Bacon Davis Act, that involves a whole lot of other things other than just payroll right. and, the, and, the, and the benefit compliance part of it. It's you, You're dealing with it's a very thin margin business, right? So you... You have this repository. If you've done your job right, and you will have the cost associated with any given project plus the, pro- the historical profit of any job you've taken under any circumstance sitting there in your, fin- in your accounting system that you can recall at a moment's notice and to figure out reverse engineer. We started at 20% margin on this million-dollar job, so we would have made $200,000. What happened? We only made 100000 Right. And it's called be, be, going back to the, you know, the scene of the murder and reconstructing the crime and where, what went wrong. Right. And a lot of the times we find ourselves doing this type of forensic stuff, right? What happened? Let's deconstruct the past. But if you're not keeping good records and if you're not, you cannot estimate unless you have some historical precedence, right? Right. How much is concrete going to be? You know, how much is the roofing going to be? And if you're, if you're, com, you know, de- developing commercial and you're in the residential market, do you know within pennies how much is it going to cost you every square foot of construction, right? And if you don't have those numbers down, how can you know how you're going to make money? Right. If you, you know, if you don't have a target, any target will do. You need to know when you the money is made at the outset, right? right. When you're pricing things right. correctly, and you give yourself a buffer. So, I had a situation in which we had a customer that it was just three, four, five percent net income, right? And what's going on? But then we realized that they were not doing a good job, you know. So whatever they were estimating and what whatever was in the you know the, the schedule uh, um, wasn't really. It was becoming more and more expensive over time, right? And they were not doing a good job pricing things right. So pricing is is a, is a really big thing. But then the the work in progress management, it's it can be complex. It can be complex, and and honestly, it. If, it, if there's so many different areas of construction, I mean, there's folks who have companies and they're building big, gigantic, you know, commercial buildings, hospitals, schools, so forth. And then, you know, there's the road construction and then there's, then there's the smaller tradesmen or smaller, you know, smaller in size in terms of the, the company and they're doing the residential work and all of it has a work in progress uh, calculation that should be managed. Somebody, no somebody has to either you. Okay. Also, is it's what is your time worth, right? Are you surrounding yourself as a construction with the right people on your team? You can't do everything, right? No. If you're a very good estimator, be do, make sure that your estimators, if you're not the one, are really, really good because they're at the outset of the, they're at the beginning of the revenue cycle. So what a lot of companies do is that they start to slowly but surely start overbilling. Yes. And there's a point in time when, you know, when, you know, the earned revenue, this whole thing about accounting, this whole work in progress is unique to the construction industry and also manufacturing in which you're allowed to progress on a determined, you have a set amount of dollars and you're allowed to build progress payments, you know, a percentage of completion. Right. Right. So if you're at 50% of costs, right, incurred month to date and say it's the end of the month, 
you should be having 50% of your revenue bill because you've earned that revenue and you can bill it, right? But what happens is because other jobs are not making money and then you have these profitable jobs, you think that the customer is going to look the other way. I'm going to bill this, I'm going to bill them a little more and a little more. Pretty soon you're 20, 25% over billing on a job that you haven't really earned. And when something is not earned, and you bill for it, it's a liability on your side. You need to produce the work to earn that revenue. Do you see how complex this can be? It's very complex. And one of the things, too, is that you're talking about billing um, based on percentage of work work completed, Uh whereas there is an entire different method, which is billing based on where you are in terms of the spending on your job. And I know that we see our um, smaller tradesmen being able to do this um, a little bit more effectively than when you're on big commercial jobs, because the commercial jobs, the contracts are a little bit different. Um, the the negotiation of the contract is different, and you know it's the the lowest bid wins. Right. And so, but on on the smaller end of things, where you have folks who are um, maybe doing the residential work, uh, if you know where you are going to be spending your money. So for example, I know within the first five days of this project, I am going to have to spend the largest portion of the money because I have to you know, purchase the products and so forth. Right. And then you can, so you can structure your progress payments based on what you're going to spend rather than based on percentage of completion. Mm. And it's just a, it's just a different tactic of, of looking at it um, that I think would would be really um, beneficial uh, when you're looking at putting your estimates together. Because right. it's not always completion. Um, we're 50, True. There's there's 50, more than one accepted. In in my world, a lot of what happens with the beer companies, you know, they 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 are about percentage of completion. Right. And, and, and now that the smaller world, ones, yeah. I don't work a lot with the smaller ones. That they, they they you know well, there's we also do. The, but you do. So you do. So we have this complementary yeah. um, set of skills, and there's a different way of looking at it, but. So back to the original questions, how do you know what's working unless you have some standard of what you look at, right? I would expect construction to be, I'm, I'm looking for 20%, right? I'm looking for, a, you know, 18%, it depends on the volume, but 20% as gross profit, 10% or less as, ne- as, as operating expense, and 10% or more for net income. And I would expect to have some accounts receivable, and I would expect that AR to be accounts receivable to be less than 60, um, because I look at businesses through the way that a bank or a venture capitalist would look at it if they're going to return, get a return investment. And there okay. are certain things, so 20, 10, 10, right, at the very least. So 20% gross profit. Remember, it's not the revenue that I look at, and then in a revenue is as a it's the percentages are more important than the dollars. I always say that the percentage numbers have to fall in a certain criteria, right? So if you have a ten million dollar construction company, and your margin is twenty percent, so you have a two million dollar business because right. you live off the profit, right? So if you have a two million dollar business that you're billing ten, but then you have to pay eight, you know. Of those ten million, it's it's basically to, to your indirect cost to all your subs and everybody related, and then all those costs associated with producing the work, right? And there's doing a lot the construction. Of there is a lot of costs, and that's why this is a very notorious cash-rich intensive business. So if you have 20, eighty, you know, you have a hundred, and you have twenty, 
and you have 10, you should, I would expect at least 10%. So the problem is when it doesn't happen that way. Now, I look for anomalies, bad and good. So if somebody has a 25% gross profit, so instead of $2 million on, on, on $10 million on, on revenue, you have $2.5 million. That's good. Why? Now, 9 out of 10 is because we haven't recognized certain costs that we already billed for. So there's risk associated with overbilling. Right. Remember this whole? But right. then you, if you're doing your, your, your whip, what we call the work in progress correctly, right. you should have a correction at every period. Since it usually happens on a quarterly basis. We actually true up the revenue and you discount from the revenue the stuff that you overbilled. It's so a you're deduction. no longer showing it as a liability. Well, you pulled it out of the liability by actually making a deduction on your revenue because if you bill for 11, but you only should have only bill for 10, you're going to have a, that million dollar comes out of liability is, is registered as an under, which is, am I, are you with me? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> so I'm, anyway, I'm tracking. So those are things that are important. Uh, and then we, if we look, if the numbers are there, then we go to the next level. How is our cash? And the balance sheet in construction is critically important. There's two related, unrelated parties that want to look at your balance sheet, which is your permanent document and your financials. And one is the, the surety company, the, you know, the bonding. Right. Um, and the other one is your bank. It's very hard to make it into the construction business without a good banking partner. So, absolutely. Because you're financing everything. You have to. And, you, you, and that's the nature of the business. You know, I've, I've known guys in the construction world that says, why didn't I get into this business? But once you're in it, you got to make it successful right? because there's a lot of liability. There's a lot of personal ownership of this liability should something go wrong. So you wouldn't get into it unless, you know, eyes wide open, I say. There's a lot of other business that you could do. But the construction business is challenging, but it's also very rewarding. It if is. You do and, it right. And, and there's there's people that I know that would do nothing else. I mean, that, that that's Because just, you're wired a certain way, yeah. you know? Let's not go. like Create. Ed loves what he does. So, yeah. so if you love, you know, always money is made at the intersection of what you're good at, passionate right. about. Right. To, and, make, and, and there is a potential of making money. Right. That to me, that intersection of those three concentric rings is success. Right. And I don't work with career people. I work with business owners. But if I was to talk to a college person, I'll say, hey, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I would say, well, what are you good at? What are you passionate about you like that makes do? money? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and, and really start off with by identifying what is what are you good at? What, what are you passionate about? Really? I mean, there are things that I'm passionate about that I wouldn't even attempt to make money All right. at. Claudine, we got to go to break. Hold okay. on to that thought. I hope you're having some fun. Business and Legal Talk with Leah Claudine. Stay tuned. Very good. Welcome back, listening to Business and Legal Talk with Leo and Claudine here on Power Talk 1360. Uh, wow, I we had to the producer had to come and wrestle us down to the ground to walk away from the mics. We were so into what we're doing. I know. Thank you, Luke. You're a great producer. We love you. So anyway, so back to this. So, but let's remove ourselves from that. And and really, what it is is to me, I care deeply 
about business owners having a blueprint for success. Right. And so let me ask you, do you sit down with your clients, your construction clients, and teach them how to do work in progress? Yes. And 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 what are the tools? If, if somebody's out here listening and they say, okay, what Leo's saying is I need to do, you know, keep track of work in progress and 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 where I am with all of this stuff. How do you, how do they know what to do? Well, aside from calling you, of course. <laughs> right. But some of this you stuff has find. to be done on the job site. It has to be done on the yeah, day-to-day. Yeah, I mean, you know, big enough companies will have um, teams of people that actually of create course. this, you know, uh, schedule of values. Right, of right? course. Um, you know, you have professional estimators, and then you have the project managers that take over, and then project managers usually juggle right. a bunch of projects, and they have superintendents on the jobs. If the company's big enough, we have a superintendent on site uh, talking on a w- daily basis to the project manager to make sure that we are actually the we, where we are in a percentage of completion. And everybody's different at different stages. Right. You know, there's the Gantt charge that the, all of this stuff you can actually find online. And okay. you may even pay some of it negligible amounts. A lot of it, the WIP reporting is done on, you know, there's great software that will allow you to do that. But I wouldn't recommend software from day one because, you know, you, you, you know QuickBooks is a great accounting software. But it doesn't really do a good job with the percentage of completion, the, the, the WIP reporting, the, the work in progress reporting. Some companies choose to do that outside of the accounting software, and they just do the journal entries for and, and spreadsheets. Right. You start with the schedule of values. What was it agreed to? You start right. with that. What did we agree to? What is the dollar amount? Contract price. Right. But then the contract price, it's useless unless you, have, you, you, you got there as a byproduct of having your costs associated. How much is it going to cost us to deliver it? How much right. profit do we want to make? Right. So you have the, you know, the associated cost that we, you're going to have to hit, right? To be at, if we hit a dollar for dollar, then you're going to make every dollar of profit that you said you were going to make, right? Right. But that's not how it works, right? There are variables. That, so you happen that. Now, what if there is a change order midway? Well, there's going to be a there's going to be a change order added to the schedule of values, which is going to be a new contracted amount. And then the next thing is where you are in percentage of completion: zero, five, ten percent. And then you start getting all your invoices, adding up all the costs, and doing the progress billing. If you're doing that on a monthly basis, you should have an idea when you're trending over ten. Ten percent is acceptable of overbilling. Yeah. Now, you never want to underbill. You never want to underbill. You want to be very careful of overbilling. Yes. Where, where, whereas it's, it, it's, it's negligible enough that by the time they actually receive the, the bill, we're getting close to completing that, that portion that got overbilled. So let's just say yeah. we're, we're, like we're at 9% when we actually type out or you know, get ready to, to, to draft out the invoice, but by the time it gets there, we're pretty close to 10%. So it's, a so bit, that, it's about being shrewd. It is, it's shrewd. And where somebody could look back and go, okay, they, that was close enough to 10. So at the beginning of the week, you got your, um, you got your, you know, at some point in the project, you got your roofer and doing the work, right? And at the beginning of the week, you say, well, we're about, mm, we're about 40%, but we think we're going to be at 75% by the end of the week. Now, if you're, have a, if you have a good sense of where the project is, as you can say, well, I can, I'm going to bill a seventy, even though I haven't gotten the invoice from the from the from the from the from the sub. Right. I'm going to go ahead and bill for the seventy five percent, knowing that if this is true, 
you're going to be caught up. So you're going to bill before you get the invoice. And it's just a matter of timing. Right. But it's good for cash. When you don't bill when you're supposed to, it, it is an asset. You already earned that revenue that you haven't billed for. But doesn't good, it doesn't do any good to sit in, sit in it as an asset unless you cash it. Right. Right? you got to invoice. So the heartbeat of major construction or in general of construction is the work in progress. That's what confuses and that's what the most complex area because there's a lot of accounting that goes into that. Um, you know, there are softwares like Sage 300 that does a very, very good job at this, you know, and you enter your schedules of values, you can build your estimates, have robust historical capabilities, and you can go back and see, you know, you, you can get very, very good at estimating. You, you can, you but can. But so is the price associated with that, that technology, right? So not everybody starts with a pile of money at the beginning. You know, I think a lot of the really, really good clients that I have it really started with a passion. You're like, I really like doing this, and I, I, you know, I don't have an MBA. I'm not a CPA. I'm not. I'm not an adjuster. I'm not. I'm not. You started with something that you love to do, and then you evolve. Right. You maybe you started as an apprentice at a roofing company, and then you started to strike on your own. You know, you don't have the financial know-how. You don't have the legal background. Right. There's a lot of things that you have to worry about. But the point is, at somewhere along the way, it behooves you as a construction owner to get the right people on the bus. Absolutely. because The at, right team of advisors. At this point, we, what we've been talking about is the numbers and, and the you know tracking your numbers and the estimates and, and the job costing and all of that. There's a whole other side to this contracting, which is the root word here is the contract. Mm-hmm. And and let me tell you the disputes that people can get into um, if the contract is ambiguous. It, p- perhaps we don't have a full contract. We have a contract for, you know, one portion of it, but then the scope of the work changed throughout the the, pro- the project. And now what we are actually into, and this is what I see so often, probably twice a week, is the contractor comes in, he's done X amount of dollars worth of work. In his mind, he's owed X amount of dollars. Well, the contract started out to be, say, a $10,000 contract or a $100,000 contract. But there was so much other stuff that got done along the way that were actually, you know, $120,000. And there's a gap with our documentation between what started off to be a $100,000 project and what is now a $120,000 project. And how do That's we back... a huge variance, Why do right? we? How do we backtrack to get, um, to, to get enough... Uh, uh, justification to be able to say no that that extra twenty thousand dollars is owed and it needs to be paid but we have no we have no basis for the payment we have no contract we have nothing written and right that is really super complicated and i know again speaking from um the the smaller residential contractors um i can't tell you how many of them are afraid to record uh, and do pre-lean notices the what? Do pre-lien notices. Oh, really? Your pre-liens. Um, so many residential contractors are afraid to do that. Now, in the, in the commercial side of it, that is, that's part of the signing of all the documents. I mean, that is absolutely not even a consideration that liens and pre-liens are going to be filed. So, so this is good. So far, we've been talking about the numbers and how I get involved and what I look for, and a lot of it is me coming out, like basically as a doctor with my white coat and right. to do to make sure that you're not on a you're not on a gurney dying right, right. As, as a business, but but I worry about certain things and you have worry about other things. So what what typically happens in your engagements? What what's going on that that gets you involved as an attorney? So I have some some clients who um, have either had a close scare. Or they've had a bad scare, 
or, you know, they, they've just been in a situation that they just had to walk away and just take the Walk hit. away from a job? Walk away from the money that was owed to them. We, oh, so you're, right, you're right, catching right. them when they're on the gurney. We're catching them as they're going into the coffin. <laughs> They're, they're coming they're, they're, to they're, us. They're coming to us. They have, com, you know, completed a project. And again, there's a gap in the documentation from the contract that we started off with and what we actually ended up doing. And there's a gap there. And now we have to figure out how do we substantiate what we're claiming is owed? Because I don't have a contract that says you agreed to pay me $100,000. So you're saying you get involved in situations where there was not a, 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 an execu fully executed agreement? There usually is some sort of an agreement. But it's very But things change. Things change during the project. We start off to do one thing, and then we open up the roof, and we find out this is wrong, or we open up the wall in the in the residential um, remodel zone, or even on commercial projects. We'll have contractors go out, and we were supposed to do, you know, we were supposed to put up the tilt-up building, and, well, that didn't include insulating, but then the GC comes in and says, or the project owner comes in and says, oh, no, we need this all insulated. Well, and somebody didn't run back to the office and type up that contract that says we're supposed to insulate. And so at the end of the job, I'm saying, well, I did all this insulation, and that is X amount of dollars worth of work and product. Oh, right, right. And the project owner says, well, wait a minute, that that's included. Everybody else would have included it. How did you? Like I've literally had commercial projects where the paint contractor provided the estimate, signed the contract, and at the end didn't paint any of the doors or trim. And, you know, there's 35 doors in this building. And he said, well, that's not part of the, that was not part of the, the estimate. And then the project owner comes back and says, well, what painter is going to give me an estimate that doesn't include doors? You know, because somebody either A, didn't write a co the contract correctly, it was ambiguous, or B, we just didn't read it. We were just in such a hurry, we everybody just signed away. So in, in construction, at the end of the job, the contractors, the subs, the tradesmen, they we start off with a set of building plans. And then because rarely does it actually get built exactly to the plans, right. we, at the end of the project, we submit what's called as-built plans. So these are the plans, what it actually ended up being built like. Right. So that when we have a problem with the with the building or with the electrical at some point later on down the line we have these set the set of building plans that shows us what it actually ended up being built like mm -hmm. so we have a true <clears throat> replication um you know a true drawings of, right. of what was actually built well that happens in the contract as well we start off with this plan but Nothing ever goes according to plan. By the time we get to the end of the project, we have extra work, extra materials that were purchased, extra this, that, and, and a third. Wow. You're talking about something I want to cover in the next segment. Yeah. It's not just about, you know, the things that we've been talking about, revenue, uh, cost of goods, and then, you know, the net profit. There's much, there's a whole other area about a liability that, that we're going to get into it, but... But things like contracting and, 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 you know, you get what you pay for. A lot of people just go, oh, let me just download this agreement from the Internet oh. and, and, and change the yeah. names, right? And there's some specific wording that isn't there. Mm -hmm. I deal with that all the time. And I know enough to say this looks wrong. We need to get an attorney involved because most people, you, you, have, you have a choice. You will take the vitamin or you will take the pain pill. That's right. One is more costly than the other. Right. I'm in the vitamin business. Absolutely. Right? And so are you. We're Absolutely. preventive. 
preventative. How do you build a business that's going to be profitable and sustainable today that will allow you to prevent or prepare for contingencies when they happen, and particularly in the construction world. Right. Things will happen. Are you prepared for them? Are right. you financially stable, which is what banks, which is what surety companies, which is that anybody, a potential buyer, whether it is uh, institutional or a strategic buyer, will want to see, is this business sustainable? Do you have enough cash in a bank? Do they have enough standard operating procedures to build? And it transcends the owner. We actually have a bond. We spend a lot of time talking about- right. When does a business transcend the owner? Right. Right? And we have a management team. So those are the kinds of things that we care about. Um, and, you know, and you have a choice. Either you're going to do and you're going to learn and you're going to get the right people advising you on the things that you're not. You don't have to be good at everything. No. But one thing I want the construction owners to be good at. It's two things. Where is the next bid coming? Where is the next book of business coming beyond the backlog, right? Right. And do we have enough cash? And if the business is not generating enough cash, are we greasing the wheel with the banks and who's going to give you the cash that you need to finish those jobs? And I want to add a third one to that. We want to make sure that we have a contract such that you can get paid. Bingo. And it, because it's all well and good that we're supposed to get paid, but if we don't have a contract... We oftentimes don't get paid. All right. I hope you're having fun. This is so much fun talking about risking cash. Well, you're listening to Business and Legal Talk with Leah and Claudia. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Are you awake? Are you still with us? I know you probably went to the Home Depot and doing a run around. It's a Saturday morning, but you cannot neglect this. This is very, if you are a business owner and you are, if for some magical reason you happen to run into issue, you need to pay attention to business and legal talk with Leo and Claudine. We are here at 10 a.m. every Saturday. Deal it, do it, you know, just deal, dishing it out in business. <laughs> Dishing it out. Dishing it out. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of being an entrepreneur in today's society. And we're all about being profitable and sustainable. In today's show, we're talking about the construction business. Right. Um, so we left it. We we're talking about some key performance indicators. Um, and, it, you know, my world, as you know, it's in the kind of looking at the crystal ball and how a business is going to do if certain conditions are met. And it's called financial modeling. Mm -hmm. CFOs begin when the controller leaves off. The controller says, okay, everything is reconciled and these are your financial statements and the CPA will go, these are your financial statements and um, you're going to pay this much income tax. I go, well, okay, this is our baseline and I begin from here to figure out what's going to happen, where are you going, and what's going to happen in the future and how you're going to build infrastructure to accommodate all this new revenue. But there are more key performance indicators specific to the construction industry. Want to get into those right now? Sure. Okay. So we talked about profit. Of course, you want to be look at your gross profit, your revenue trending quarter over quarter, year over year, right? As a percentage, right, of growth. You got to look at your costs, which is you know spending an enormous amount of time talking about estimated and cost building and, and then cost accounting, right? Um, or job costing, but. There are other things that I want you to think about. And um, 
bid development is one of them. What's in the pipeline, right? Um, what What's coming down the pipe? Where is your next business? Where is your next multi-million dollar? Are you greasing the wheel? Are you marketing? You know, the days of you build it, the field of dreams, and they will come are gone. This is a hyper-competitive market. If you don't have an edge in the competition, if you're not really good at marketing and creating that and, and really being involved with in cases where there may be RF, RF, RFIs, RFQs, mm-hmm. RFPs, and you're really developing your pipeline, well, what you have is backlog and that's it, right? Which is what you're contracted for, which I, here's something that you want you to look at. If you are in a construction business, your target for backlog is 12 months or more of contracted work you haven't started because that allows you to kind of build your capacity, right? But then it's what's beyond that? I'm a scout. I'm looking beyond 12 months. What is your business going to look like two years from now? That's, years a, from now? that's the difficult thing about the construction business is really the farther out you're planning, the less efficient and effective you are. And it, it's really, on one hand, from a business perspective, yes, you want to have jobs lined up or you want to be in a pipeline. But the 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 estimates are what gets you the jobs. It's the lowest estimates, the lowest bid. By, by and large, and particularly in, in commercial and uh, civil work, your prices change. Yeah, but... And, and you, I mean, yes, to some extent, you can go back, um, but... In a lot of cases, you cannot go back and say, hey, you know, the estimate was this and it only, you know, it was Well, there's a legal binding agreements. That's you right. cannot, unless there is a change order. That's a whole other thing. But anyway, bid development, um, your funnel, right? So the buyout process, when you start actually, you know, is investing in the next job where you haven't received a dollar of revenue, right? And, and how much cash that's going to take. And, and that's easy when you have two, three jobs. What happens when you have 10 jobs? And three of them are going to start. And then you have to have enough money. to. You, so you're doing the work, but then you're going to build later. And that gap begins gets bigger and bigger as more dollars get involved and more costs get associated with it. Quality control. Now, um, you cannot stress that enough. There is a whole lives you know if you're in construct you know if you're in the hair business if you do a if a hairdresser did a poor job with your hair you may be unhappy but your hair will grow back right in most cases <laughs> right but if your quality control isn't there in construction <sighs> life's may be a peril it's a nightmare it's a nightmare one of the one of the reasons why we build into the contracts um you know what we call dispute resolutions and dispute resolution in a contract identifies how are we going to resolve a dispute when it comes up. There is a, a one school of thought that we like arbitrations. And arbitrations um, are more cost effective. They're quicker. It's easier. Um, there is a large body of thought, and, and which one I prescribe to, is I don't like arbitration agreements. Why is I, that? I, I don't like, Why is that? And I definitely don't like to be forced into them. Um, because we have a court system um, that we pay a filing fee, and when we go to um, a case management conference, when we go to a mandatory settlement conference, when we go you know, before the judge for a motion hearing, that judge is paid for. We're not paying every time, mm. and we're not paying by the hour. With arbitrators, you're paying by the hour. You oftentimes don't have somebody who um, the rules of discovery and the rules of evidence are all blurred. We're not having um, a, a strict adherence where we can say, hey, the civil code, you know, X, Y, Z says this, that, and a third, and, and we have to stick to it. So everything becomes more and more nebulous as you get further and further away from the court. And then w- 
I have seen some really, really poor rulings, really poor rulings that, uh, that I frankly don't think we, we would have seen with a judge. Um, the judges, they do and have to adhere to the statutes. They do and have to adhere to case law. Um, they, they make sometimes poor rulings, but by and large, um, you know what you're getting. Um, and uh, arbitrations can be far more expensive um, than, than using the court system. And I, I'm, and I'm not convinced that it goes any quicker. Sometimes it's appropriate. And so when, when we draft a contract, we do like to leave that open if the parties agree to it and we can agree upon, upon an arbitrator, but you'll, you can speak to litigators here in, in Modesto that will tell you we don't have any decent arbitrators around here. Now I'm not saying that, but there, whether somebody's good or not good as an arbitrator is very much um, an opinion and it's based on, you know, did I get favorable rulings um, mm. as opposed to was the arbitrator actually correct? So um, dispute resolution is a huge, huge part of your contract. And, and let me tell you, when we're talking about the numbers and stuff, there's a presumption that you send the invoice and it actually is going to get paid. The reality is vastly different than that. Right. We, we don't always get paid when we send the invoice. Yeah. I'm in, in, that's a whole nother conversation of cash. I don't want to get started on right now, but it, it's but enough right. to make somebody it, like you who, who's on the numbers. Very nervous. Sick. <laughs> well, sick. Yeah. I actually physically get sick, viscerally sick. Um, so there's two things, um, quick, two quick stories, right? So we talked about quality control, subcontractor inventory, or, you know, um, just materials for the job. Right. And safety. So, um, remember I told you that I get involved because something is not working. Well, you, what the profit and loss, what the statement of cash flows tells you that the profit and loss and the balance sheet doesn't tell you is the use of cash. Now, I'm all about cash, right? Most businesses need to be run on an accrual basis. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know it, it, rather than cash because we recognize the revenue when it happens. When you, we earn it, we mm-hmm. bill it. Right. But when, you, as you were saying, we don't know when you're going to collect it. Right. So it's, it's an accounts receivable. So you can have a million dollars worth of profit, but if that million dollars sits in accounts receivable, uncollected, then you've got a big problem. I've seen many, many profitable businesses go out of business. In fact, that's normal. Right. You think, wait a minute, it doesn't make sense. It's the management of the accounts receivable. But there's another thing. So... I had a business, and it was just just something didn't make sense. I had to do a little bit of forensic and reverse engineering, which I like to figure things out. Right. Turns out that the business had purchased four hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory. Kept buying inventories for jobs that didn't get started soon enough. The jobs kept being pushed out. They were going to happen. They were contractually obligated to perform. Right. But the job kept getting pushed out. And guess what happens? We tie our precious cash dollars, inventory. Now inventory is an asset but it's not getting expensed. We're not billing it back to the customer price profit because it's sitting there in a the warehouse because we have not started. Right. Now, the only bright spot of that is if the products prices of the products went up during that period of time. Yeah, but is that worth $400,000 worth of cash? Probably not. Probably not, right? So those are the kinds of things that we diagnose. And the other thing is safety, you know, in workers' comp, and, you know, uh, when you get to about 120, 130 of modification rates, and, you know, safety is a big deal. you got to be proactive. So... We can go and we can actually have a third show, but we, we don't know. So the point is that if you're in construction, if you have a question, you need to give us a call. We love construction. Yes. 
You know, we have plenty of background in the construction world. I just love the construction world in, in Claudine, you and the legal side. So find us at www.greenlandhq.com. Call our office, 559-207-3148. Or you can call you where, Claudine? At the Sharon Law Firm at area code 209-427-2200 or www.sharon-law.com, S-H-E-R-R-O-N. So I hope this was helpful to you. I mean, I know we unpacked a lot of things and a lot of concepts and a lot of these concepts. I'm constantly talking about it. So they're kind of regurgitating things, but they may be new to you. Yeah. If you're listening to the show. And if you're out there in the trades, what we want to do is we want to set you up. We, we set our clients up with contracts. Um, we really work with them to get familiar with the contracts so they can move pieces and parts in. So maybe some contracts you do want to have an arbitration clause. Maybe you don't. Um, but we want to get the customers really super familiar with the contracts so they know their own agreements. Um, and then we give you the base contract and then we work with you to set up your scope of work. So we have a whole plan to get you in that position where when the job's done, you're going to get a check. That's fantastic. I mean, I care about that your, uh, okay, that your job is, um, is profitable. Yeah. You know, while you may care, yes, we have to make sure that you're, you're, you have a good chance contractually or legally right. to get paid. Because if you have to pay us or somebody like us in order to get that check, profits are gone. Yeah. It's just, it, the whole thing went upside down. So, it's not profitable. So don't try to go at it alone. Um, I think, you know, sometimes I, I, a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs miss the forest for the trees. You know, you know, this is, I don't want to spend any money because, you know, I got to watch the dollars, but sometimes not everything is an expense. You know, sometimes you got to think about, am I investing in my business? Education. An investment in education and, and advice in your business is critically important and it should produce a return on investment and ROI. So, you know, you, you, you're going to pay one way or the other. If you don't make enough money, if you're not profitable and you don't know and it's too late to find out, you won't have a business right. to nourish and flourish and you won't have something to pass on to your children to sell. So just think about it. It's been great having you um, as, as a listening audience. I hope your day goes great. We, I don't know about you, but we had fun. Always having fun. We always had fun. So uh, you have been listening to Business and Legal Talk with Leah and Claudine, and we'll talk to you next week. Ha-